0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by CBG Trails, The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Liza Howard is smart, funny, accomplished, humble, and by her own account, extremely susceptible to peer pressure. She's run marathons to impress a guy. She still runs marathons for donut money. She's won the Leadville 100 and other big races multiple times. She's a coach, a parent, a Knowles wilderness instructor. And she's the director of the terrific nonprofit Band of Runners. And you can check out Band of Runners at bandofrunners.org. And in the show notes to this episode, we'll include a link to a video about Band of Runners and their purpose. This conversation between me, Brendan Leonard, and Liza ranges from the absurd to the profound. It upsets a lot of preconceived notions and conventional wisdom, and I believe it's going to make you laugh and think in equal measure. But the most important thing that I can tell you is that Liza is a joy and this conversation is a gift. And so with that, let's get to the conversation that I had with Liza and Brendan Leonard yesterday, which was just one day after Liza had just won the USA Fit Marathon. Strong work there, Liza. And here we go.
1: Liza Howard, thanks for thanks for coming on off the couch.
2: I'm excited to talk to you all.
1: Yeah, we're um I don't usually like to make these about current events, but you did just uh win a marathon yesterday.
2: I did! I won some donut money. I tell you what, it was pretty great.
0: You won donut money?
2: I like donuts, and now I can afford some fancy ones. Oh, that's donuts. amazing. Mm-hmm
0: not to digress here but uh (laughs) let's talk about donuts for a minute um i know brendan's into donuts so what are your favorite types of donuts like do you have a clear ranking
2: you know, like, I am I am not a donut snob. Uh, we do have Donut Friday here in the Howard household. And um, uh, and so we tend to go to Duck Donuts just because it's fun to watch them make the donuts right there, and see the donut go under the river of glaze. I feel like I could talk about this for a while. But anyway, yeah, no, I'm not picky. If it's a donut, I'll eat it.
1: <laughs> we're, n- we're not
0: trying to hold you back. So if- <laughs> No, we're definitely not. Um, I had a donut yesterday. It was delightful. It was not fresh. Um you know, it was kind of late afternoon and it still was fantastic. So, um, but I, I still am curious, you kind of dodged, like, is there a specific genre where a clear ranking of donut types for you?
2: I'm kind of a cake donut person, I guess. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I guess I don't like the donuts with the bacon on them. I feel like that's a little bit (laughs) offensive. Um, uh, I, I teach uh, uh, these wilderness first aid classes, and my goal is always to get the students to bring in donuts on the second day of class. their two-day classes, and my my highest turnout was I got people to bring in ten dozen donuts. I feel Whoa. like people just yeah I feel like people just need an excuse to go and buy donuts, and so I'm there to provide that for them. So.
1: I'm, yeah. I'm seeing you like Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. Like, <laughs> yeah. Be a lot cooler if you did, man. You <laughs> had a donut.
2: Yeah. And then man. we talked about diabetes. It was awesome. It was a good
0: Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> great yeah. segue. Yeah. And just for the record, Liza, the, the Howard Homestead is located where?
2: We are in San Antonio, Texas.
0: Yeah. Man, there is a whole lot of stuff to talk about with you. Um, can we go back to yesterday, though? We, we, we moved quickly and started talking <laughs> about donuts. What marathon did you win yesterday?
2: It was the USA Fit Marathon, which, you know, not a great name, but it's outside, it's outside of Houston, Texas, and um, Sugarland, Texas. And uh, it was it was 1,400 people and it was so much fun because it was not crowded. My husband stood next to me at the start line and I handed him my jacket 30 seconds before <laughs> the start. It was beautiful because I had I've done a couple of big ones recently and they're just so crowded and and stressful and the logistics and so this was it was so nice it was tiny it was so tiny and so well supported there were so many police officers out there like and there weren't that many people it was just you know it was great
0: 1400 still sounds like a lot of people so at what point do you consider is it less about total number of people and just more about kind of the logistics of the particular setting and race
2: well, I should say that was for a 5k, a half marathon and the marathon, all of that. So I, honestly, I think there were only like, I would be surprised if there were more than like 500 marathon runners, probably. So yeah. So the second half was <laughs> wide open.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nice. So you're um, traditionally or in your past, you've been very, very good at running really long distances on trails. Are you starting to what, what is the reason to be doing road marathons right now
2: <laughs> what is that like why <laughs> would anyone do that well um i was on the 100k team uh the u.s 100k team in 2018 and i would like to be on the 100k team again at the races the world championships are every two years and so this year um the world championships are in the netherlands in september and so i just need to get a little bit faster and so you know it's a good way to it's a good way to do that to run, running road marathons. So.
1: Is uh, qualifying for that? Are you running hundred k, or is it?
2: Yeah, there's a um, and, we, and they're hard to find in the U.S. Surprisingly, hundred k road races are not super popular here. Yeah. and uh, yeah, and ones that are USATF certified. And so on February 29th, I will be running in Long Beach, California, five kilometers out and five kilometers back along a paved path. Uh, 10 times. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 Super exciting. Um, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> like, uh, the race document talks about the gnats that are on the course. Um, and so <laughs> I've got that to look forward to, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, but if I can run a good time there, then I can get on the team. And so that would be really wonderful. It, it was pretty exceptional to be, you know, to represent the U S and to be with the U S team. It was wonderful.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Boy, that's hardcore though. Like, mm-hmm. You literally turn around, like, are you like, it's like almost like bouncing off a wall in a pool. Right. And turning. Kick turns. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. The things you do for your country, huh?
2: (laughs) I'm thinking about like, you know, should I wear if the gnats are really bad? Should I bring like fly strips with me? Like, what should I put those on my hat? I don't even know.
1: A mosquito net? Like.
2: yo, (laughs) yeah. It's like super attractive race pictures. (laughs) Anyway.
0: But just to be clear then for you, the road races are very much a training mechanism and a training tool to train for trail. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, that's definitely true. Yep. I would much rather be on the trails. I would much rather be in the mountains, but, you know.
0: I feel like we
1: should say that that Liza has won a bunch of uh, trail 100-mile and 100K races since, what was the first one you won, 2010? Oh, 2009?
0: 2008. I thought it was 2008, yeah, okay. so we now have 2010, 2009, <laughs> and 2008 as possibilities didn't here. Been
2: winning for so long. Right. Let's just uh-huh. let's, you
0: won
1: the last time you won the Leadville 100 was 2015. I think that's enough of a resume for most people, right? <laughs> there we say, go. Like, Okay. Oh, okay. She's a, we go. she's a big deal. Okay. And you didn't. Can is that okay if we kind of go through your history of running a little bit?
2: Sure. Yeah. And I am a super poor historian. So I'm going to take your word for all these dates. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, that was a while ago. That was even longer. I don't remember. Anyway, so yeah, let's go through them.
1: So you grew up in West Berlin, correct? And did, did not run track or cross country or anything like that in, in high school? Wow, Is that right? you guys
0: are
2: good. We're good. Um, oh, there's, there's I did. <laughs> I'm <the> impressed. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> um, so my dad was in the army, and so we were stationed in West Berlin um, for the first three years of high school, and then I spent a very sad year, my senior year, in Rhode Island, where they did not know where Berlin was. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, and so and no one knew why it was important the wall was coming down. It was a hard senior year. Anyway, but yeah, no, I didn't run. Um the school in Germany didn't have um cross country or track. Um we did have rhythmic gymnastics. Um and <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I know what that I
1: actually know what that is. I've watched that in the Olympics before. Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> the Germans took it super seriously, the Americans were at the school. We were we were not so good at it. Anyway, um and yeah, and so then didn't run in college and after college, um I decided to um, impress a boyfriend with running a marathon. Um, And and then it was a, a slippery slope from there. Here we are today.
0: Wait a second. Okay, first of all, we have now collected a really remarkable group of stories about sort of the like what got you into running thing but i don't think we've had like was trying to impress a boyfriend by yeah, running a yeah, marathon yeah. so this is another kind of first we'll add this to the we'll add this to the collection
2: i don't i don't recommend it <laughs> like, especially <laughs> if they're not a runner like cuz it really they're like
0: oh he wasn't a runner
2: <laughs> yeah no but he was real fit and so i thought like oh this would be a big thing and impressive like yeah, i was in my 20s come on
0: did it work like what what was the you're like i'm going to prove to this fit guy that I too am fit. This was the and then that will what? Then he'll wanna settle down? Uh,
1: Yeah,
2: I don't yeah, yeah. It Yeah, yeah, no, no, I would have to say that it worked, but he turned out to be a bad guy. And so I just totally do not recommend this as a means to um, you know, securing a future spouse.
1: I've heard. I've heard way dumber strategies just for.
2: Okay, uh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I made a bunch of really good friends. <laughs> I will. I will say that, and I had a really good time, and it turned out that it was something that I both really enjoyed doing. It made me a ton happier than I had been, and uh, and I wasn't horrible at it, so it was all good.
0: So, Liza, though you haven't actually said anything about like what were you into as a kid through high school or college. All I know is after college you tried to impress a dude by signing up for a marathon. So what what were you about pre-marathon running?
2: I was on the swim team in Berlin. And I was not good. In fact, the swim coach recommended to me that perhaps I should consider triathlon. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wasn't a great swimmer, but maybe I could combine that with (laughs) with being mediocre at other things and, you know, make a really nice, you know, kind of package. So I did do one triathlon. I did an Ironman and uh, it was great except for the swimming and biking. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yep. Yep.
1: I believe that's the big triathlon in my experience. That's the the Mm -hmm. one people want to, yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, Mm
2: -hmm. There was a person died during the route. It was a two-loop bike course. And uh, during the first loop, someone died. And so then, like, kind of word got passed back during the race. And then you had to bike by by the accident scene. Yeah, so I was really careful after that. (laughs) And very slow. But I finished
1: didn't it didn't take though you were like so is this after this is after college you're doing the the yeah okay Mm
2: -hmm.
0: after the first marathon yep and then you know we're we're not historians or anything but (laughs) there's then a a a win at leadville i think i have this right in 2010 and 2015
2: yep and i was second two other years
0: second Um, two other years
2: yeah yeah, I almost won a third time, but I decided that I would vomit my way the last 12 miles instead. And so I think I was maybe nine miles from the finish line, lying in a little pile of vomit. And the, uh, the girl passed me and continued on. Uh, and she, she really deserved to win. I wasn't moving. Like, I didn't get up and run after her. <laughs> I just laid there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do hear they want you to get up and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and actually finish. Uh, oh, win. I did. I did finish. But yeah,
2: <laughs> but it was second
0: for sure um standout moments of other races other than Leadville
2: um I have a lot of vomiting stories let's see standout moments good grief um
0: is this because you're like crushing donuts during the races or like what's up with all the vomiting
2: you know you're just jostling up and down for 100 miles yeah. you <laughs> It happens. Like, um gosh um I have run a bunch of races down here in Texas um, since we lived down here. And so I think, you know, for a while I was doing the Bandera 100K a bunch and Rocky Raccoon a bunch. And um, and so it's really fun when you know all the people at the race who are running around you and, you know, you know the people at the aid stations. And honestly, I think my standout moments are less um, kind of spectacular races or some sort of, you know, um, cresting a hill and coming down and things like that. And more just, it's so fun to run into places and have everybody say like, Hey, Liza! <laughs> you know, and take care of you and then send you on your way. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, it does. It's like i I'm sure that's a morale boost. I'm sure there's some chemical evidence of that.
2: Um, oh, heck yeah.
1: So I don't, not to keep skipping around, but you, you first sort of discovered trail running. What, what year was this about you you're already living in san antonio Is that right?
2: Yeah, we moved to San Antonio and I had been working for the National Outdoor Leadership School, um, guiding on, you know, three and four and longer week courses. Um, And so we moved to San Antonio um, for my husband to run the outdoor program down here at the university. And I just didn't have a community anymore. Certainly, it was really hard to find friends that were similar to the folks that, you know, I'd been with at Knowles and that whole group um, here in San Antonio. Um, when we first got here, it was so hot and I was just asking folks like how, how do you do how do you deal and do stuff outside during the summer? And the response that I got pretty consistently was we don't <laughs> yeah. so, which was really hard and I was just asking the wrong people for sure. Um, and, uh, and so finally, like there was a listserv way back when, and uh, out of Austin. And they had this little kind of San Antonio branch of this trail running group. And so I got the courage up after a year of being here, because I figured um, I needed to try and get fit enough to like run with these trail runner folks. Um, and so I finally went on a run. And then um, fell in with this group of trail runners here, which is super tiny. Like the San Antonio community now is really big, the trail running community, and surprisingly, we have a ton of wonderful trail running here. Much better than Austin, I just like to put out there. Um, okay. Anyway, right. shots fired. Shots <laughs> <Yep>. fired. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will defend that. Anyway, so uh so yeah, so I fell in with that group and then you you know, it was totally peer pressure. I always say this, like if they had been doing drugs, I would have been doing drugs. But they were like, hey, let's do a fifty K and I was like, Yeah, let's do a fifty K and they were like, Let's do a fifty miler. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and then they were like, hundred K is next. And so yeah, and then it was a hundred miles and uh, and I have not looked back.
1: In in the middle of this, uh, you're starting to you're starting to have kids too, and you just Fitting that in, and just being like, okay, mom, still is gonna go crush out a hundred miles.
2: Yeah, I had my son kind of right during that year before I got up the gumption to to run with people. And um, and then so part of it was I was going insane, like going from working um, to being stay at home, not having any friends. The baby was super colicky and unhappy, and I was losing my mind. And so part of it was just, you know, I was like, ah, bye, I'm going to go run for four hours <laughs> with these people. <laughs> I'll see you later um, kind of deal.
1: Yeah, there's a quote in, I think, one of the interviews that with you. It says, you said, honestly, ultra running is so much easier than parenting.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, like, people are taking care of you. It's like this lovely break. And I think, honestly, for people <laughs> who are the primary caregiver of their little child, you know, it's like, well, it's really helpful to not drop out of a race, right? Like, you're like, well, if I stop now... I'm exhausted and I have to go back and take care of my child who will be very needy. Or I could just keep on going and people will clap at me. <laughs> they will, you know, <laughs> tend, tend to me. They will feed me like I'm just going to stay. Um, so I feel like that's definitely a distinct advantage for people who are the primary caregivers of their child in ultras.
1: Yeah, I can go take care of a baby or I can sort of be a baby for.
2: Yeah, for exactly. <laughs> like I just have to keep moving forward. <laughs> you yeah. know?
0: I, yeah. And and I also just like the idea as ultras is a chance to get away from your kids. I had never really thought about that. It's like, I'm going to get a, a multi-hour break here.
2: No, indeed. I, there was a neat article recently that was talking about, you know, a lot of times, um it's discussed that ultra running is, you know, some way for people to experience suffering and kind of deprivation and things like that because life is so easy. So it's this way to kind of uh-huh. experience something harder. And the article made the point that that might be true for folks who are not parents maybe, or kind of like with young kids, the primary caregivers, but for a lot of folks and, you know, in particular women, just because they tend to be primary caregivers, like it's this chance of freedom of doing, you know, something entirely different. And just thought that was really interesting because I hadn't heard that before. And that definitely was my experience. Like I wasn't trying to experience suffering.
1: <laughs> I think I read this. Um, yeah. I read this same article, I think. And it was, right? uh, it was, was in the guardian or something like that. Yeah, but,
2: exactly. Exactly. Yeah, sort of mind blowing. Did you think it held water?
1: I mean, I can't speak for women, but I did the lady who they were quoting said, you know, it, the, I'm sick of this male narrative where it's like all about me and I'm suffering and blah 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 and she said we're out here because we want freedom and uh, Yeah, I I think it's a just a really pithy interesting quote and thing to think about for sure. You know, I that Hadn't occurred to me. Um,
2: yeah, that, me, well, and it's funny. Like I had definitely felt that way, but never really um, kind of put it all together. Like, oh, it's a different. Like there are these two different narratives.
1: Yeah, I think in that same article there was a someone quoted as saying, I never corroborated this, but saying that the finishing rate for women in ultra marathons was so much higher than men, um, which was sort of attributed to like men are just confident and like, oh, how hard could it be and. And then women are actually do the preparation uh, leading up to it, but also maybe do have a child at the end. They don't want to have to quit early to take care. I don't know.
2: Well, and I think, and I think all parents with young kids to get this, like get all this practice constantly of just. Like, it's not like you can quit, right? Like things are horrible and you're like, you're sad and whatever. But <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, clearly like some people do, but, we're. <laughs> but you know, for the, mo- for the most part, you know, if you're a parent and not going to go to jail <laughs> or have social services called on you, like you can't quit, you just deal. And so you get used to just dealing,
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: I think, and yeah, it's bad, but you get this, like you get this constant practice of it gets better. A little bit. <laughs> and I'll probably get bad again. So there's like, I think, decreased expectations too. You know, like, oh. So
0: anyway. um, Lest everyone assume that when you go off and run a race, you just push your kids into the woods and make them fend, fend for themselves, <laughs> there is kind of a, a pretty cool anecdote about you and your 100-mile PR
2: I did um, nurse um, both my kids during races. And so here's here's the secret. Like, uh, so number one, it's super weird to get um, for people to be impressed by that because it's it's just this thing that has to happen, right? Like it's not, it's like people being super impressed that you stopped to go to the bathroom for a little while, right? You're like, well, I had to, (laughs) there's nothing, you know? And so it's kind of fun. You're like, well, thanks, I went to the bathroom. yeah. So, and it's because it's not that big a deal to actually do. Um, when my son was tiny and I stopped to nurse him, I was a new parent, and so I actually had him and was trying to nurse him, and that was more difficult because he was not excited to do that. Um, I was unexcited that he was not excited. It was a little stressful. Yeah. Um, but with my daughter, I was super smart by that time, and anyway, I had just had a pump, and so I kind of think that it was. It ended up being this great way to bring my heart rate down. Like I stopped, I was there for five minutes, you know, my heart rate came down and I could head on out again. It was almost as if I was doing some sort of like run walk, uh, strategy. So yeah. I don't know. It's a secret.
1: <laughs> I think people look at that at, at like nursing during an ultra it's not only are men not having to do it, but most women aren't either, you know, so it does look right. like this big extra thing. And yeah, Right. Right. And
2: I mean, it is an extra thing, but I think that Yeah, I I don't know. Like, again, it's super fun to have people be like, "Ooh, that's impressive. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's (laughs) good. But at the same time, like, you know, you sit down, you do this thing, (laughs) you continue on. Um, I think that I think, yeah, for sure. Women in general always have something you often have something extra that they have to deal with, you know, like dealing with menstruation during a 100 mile race. Like, I feel like that's much more of a challenge (laughs) um, than uh, than, yeah, sitting down to to
1: nurse. But you know. Yeah, but, but also the fact that you're in the front of the pack a lot of times and, and winning. And that's also because I can imagine making time for it myself because I'm very slow and it isn't really what's 15 minutes here or there. Right, but right, right. When you're like somebody is chasing you down, it's quite a bit different.
2: Yeah, I will say like those times, you're right. Like that would have been different. <laughs> it would have been stressful. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and, but for those particular times, there wasn't a woman who was particularly close. So I lucked out. Ah, okay. That sounds like a super snide thing to say, doesn't it? But,
0: <laughs> no, but
2: I, no one was close. <laughs> <it's> factual,
1: yeah. <laughs> anyway. So so when you started to sort of fall in love with trail running, do you think it was part community, part finding some nature that you could get into near San Antonio or, or sort of a combination of both?
2: Yeah, I think a combination of that uh, those two for sure. Um, and then, um, just the, the, the trails here are real technical. And so just the fun of moving over these technical trails and trying to figure out how to do that. Like I'd go out with this group of, of guys and they just like, we'd go to this park that was really big and they just fly down these hills. And it was one of those things where like, Oh, I, I can't get lost. Like I'll never get out of here. And so then I'd like, you know, fly down all these rocks as well and, and, and not die and like, you know, continue on. And, uh, and so that was, that was super fun. But I think, yeah, what What I love most about trail running, um, well, I don't know, like what's wonderful about trail running is the community. Um, and, uh, and it's like nobody, certainly then when I started way back in 2008, um, you know, nobody asks you your time and, 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 few do still like, you know, when you're like, "Oh, I ran a hundred miles. Well, how fast did you do that? You know, like people don't ask that. They didn't care how, what you were wearing. Like <laughs> sometimes in the road running, you know, like, "Oh, that's a cute app, but like nobody cared. It was like, Oh, those shorts <laughs> are going to protect you from like the so tall cactus that we have, you know? Mm. Um, and it was just, uh, it was just such a nice, um, wonderful community. It was a lot of, um, a lot of guys in there, Forties um, and above, who are kind of who started the trail running community here in San Antonio, so it just had really great perspective. There was no drama. There was it was just it was really wonderful, and so that um, kept me um, running as much as I did.
1: When, when was the earliest indication that you realized you're kind of good at it?
2: The um, the First race I did with uh, was with a buddy I'd worked with at Knowles, and uh, you know you do these long courses with folks, and then you don't ever you know you don't see him again for a long time. And so he said, "Yeah, we should do a, a race together." Um, and so we did the Zane Grey 50k, um, and uh, and I came in I think third, um, and it was the first one I'd ever done. I lost the sole of my shoe at one point, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so I like I won this uh, this duffel bag, and it was really <laughs> it was great. I mean, maybe there were only three women. I don't know, um, but I but yeah, that was the first time. And it, then it turned into this thing where it was like something you've never tried before, and it turns out that you're good at it. It was like if you had tried highline, all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm not bad at Hi-Li. Look at this. Who <laughs> knew? And so, uh, yeah, and so especially combining that with, like, having the baby and having the baby be unhappy and not really know what I was doing with my life anymore and all this other stuff, it was this lovely affirmation of, like, no, you're still, like, you're still good at something, you know? Like, my house is a disaster, like, the baby's a disaster, <laughs> I look like a disaster, but look, look, <laughs> you, you placed in this long race in the wow. woods, woo, you're good,
0: so. Yeah, and sort of a sort of a new identity, even. I'm I'm curious, you say these kind of dark things, but in a kind of cheerful tone. And so I was just kind of curious when you're like, everything was a disaster. I mean, this did, I guess, to use Brennan's word, open up a new identity for you? Or is that overstating things?
2: No, I don't think that's overstating things. I think if I hadn't had the bit of success that I did, then that probably wouldn't be quite the case. Um, but but yeah, certainly. and And yeah, no, I mean... I am having a lovely day right now and I'm, I'm, I'm highly caffeinated, but yeah, things were, (laughs) (laughs) things were really bad. Um, and so running, um, buoyed my mood and gave me a community, which buoyed my mood and, um, and then in being in nature. So, I mean, like, um, like having a community, being in nature and then physical activity, like, those things, um, brought me back to a place where I could, you know, function well and be useful to other people. So, yeah.
1: And you're, you're 38 at that time. So you're not like a spring chicken. Yeah. Sort of like, (laughs) I mean, sort of a late comer to the idea of doing, you know, these things really well or being a sponsored athlete or something like that. So that's, there was just an article in the New York times about, uh, women. I saw that. Yeah. Like, doing better than they ever have in their 30s. and uh,
2: I know. I saw it and I was definitely like, oh, your 30s, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> talk, to me in, talk to me in a few years. Talk to yeah. me in a decade. <laughs> yeah. So from there, you start to, uh, you start doing longer races. Were, were you, did you think at the end of the 50K, like, oh, that was cool, but it wasn't quite enough pain. I need to do, <laughs> like, what do was... More how is this taking place? Like, or how is this, how is this coming up in your consciousness that there's more races, longer?
2: It was, it was really more just the peer pressure. Like I had such a fun time going up where there with a group of friends, everybody running, you know, everybody sitting around. I was like, yeah, let's do more. And then they were, the next thing that they were doing was the 50 miler. So it was, it was for sure peer pressure. Like I would have taken up, you know, cliff diving.
1: Have you ever tried heroin and cocaine <laughs> at the same time? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, are, so you're. It's hot in the summers there. Um, you have good trails. Are you looking at these bigger elevation gain uh, ultras like Leadville? Going, geez, how am I going to train for Leadville? Is like fifteen thousand feet of elevation gain or something like that. Something like it? that.
2: Yeah. It's more was just like, how the hell do I get out of here in the summertime? <laughs> like, oh, okay. where I want to run. I want to go back to the mountains because I was working in the mountains, you know, I was like, oh, I got to get back. How do I do it? And so, and then I, um, I had worked for Outward Bound prior to, um, prior to Knowles and, uh, I had actually worked out of Leadville and that's where I met my husband. And so that race had, you know, a great attraction for me. So.
1: Were you were you in Lander working for Knowles, doing courses out of there, or?
2: Yeah, I was working out okay. of Lander, mm-hmm. and then up in Alaska a lot.
1: Oh, okay. So, and yeah. as you're as you're having kids, are you still doing a couple trips a year, or is it more of a?
2: I was for a little while, and then um, the burden of guilt was too much to leave for you know, three weeks at a time. And so now I, uh, I'm on the wilderness medicine side more. Um, and so when they get a little bit older, I'll go back to doing field courses because I I love that. And we started doing um, a fast-packing trip this year with Band of Runners, um, the uh, nonprofit I run for veterans. And so we were out in the winds actually for a week, um, and it was so good to get back.
0: Talk about what is Band of Runners and when did you start this?
2: Band of Runners is a nonprofit that aims to bring um, veterans and their surviving family members into the trail running community and out onto the trails. And so I was on a run a good number of years back and I was listening to a podcast Um which I do a lot, and uh, and I heard um, the founder of Team Red, White, and Blues—they um, um, try to connect uh, veterans to their communities through physical and social activity um, because it's it's a lot of times really hard, you know, to to have strong connections when you're coming back from life-altering experiences, whether you're returning to your hometown or to somewhere else, right? Um, And so that was their purpose. Um, And so I'm an Army brat. And so I uh, contacted this fellow and I was like, hey, I'd love to help out. What can I do? And the fellow, um, Mike Irwin, is awesome. He was like, I don't know. What can you do? And I was like, well, uh, run on these trails and we could do do a camp. And so the intent was to kind of um, shrink down the Knowles experience, um, being on an expedition and how everything is fast forwarded on those expeditions to something like three days. Um, and then teach enough trail running that then folks could be part of this trail running community. And, like, um, and so we, I ran there and designed there a trail running camp for them. And we did that for like eight years or so. And then um, they decided to focus more on leadership training. And so we said, well, that's great. But we really feel like trail running is... Beneficial to this population, and so then started up a band of runners as its own little tiny nonprofit.
1: So, and what what year was that?
2: We start twenty twenty seventeen. We were we were born, and um, and so I'm learning all sorts of stuff. <laughs> About running a nonprofit uh, and raising money and doing all this stuff. So basically right now we host an annual trail running camp. Um, Last year it was down here in the Hill Country on the Frio River, and we'll do that again this year. Um, And so we bring in 30 veterans and or surviving family members, um, and we bring um, trail runners from all over the United States to be mentors. And basically we just run the entire weekend. And because everybody's not able to run for three days, <laughs> not everybody can run for three days, we break it up with um, with classes. Um, so a lot of the conversation, it's designed so the conversation happens on the trails and the teaching happens on the trails. Like as you come to a hill, we can talk about, you know, running up hills. Um, if, if we're on technical terrain, we'll talk about that kind of stuff um, with more kind of breaks to discuss, to give people a rest and then discuss the other things that they need to know about trail running and racing and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah. And then, like I said, we did our first fast packing trip this year. It was, it was not particularly fast, um, but uh, but it was most excellent.
0: Does the the focus, your focus in terms of the classes and the teaching really is kind of this introduction to trail running or trail running 101? I guess I'm curious about how much of the curriculum is about, so everyone here has been through some stuff or if that side of it is left for the group itself to kind of naturally get into those conversations if they wish, do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's it's the latter. So the camp is solely a trail running camp um, to to bring people into this community for all the reasons that I said that it, this was useful to me. I want to be able to share that with other people. So to bring it into the, bring these folks into our community, um, where you know, huge umbrella, everybody can fit up, find some place within that um, to you know show people how to safely and easily you know run in nature. Um, and further out in nature. Um, and then to show them how to train and get them so that it seems more possible in their daily life. And because we have so many mentors who come in to help, we can really deal, we, we split into these different groups. And so we have folks that are mostly kind of hiking um, fast, you know, and then we have folks that are capable, you know, that have run ultras. Um, we like to focus on folks that, you know, haven't done a lot of trail running or don't have a lot of experience, but there's definitely room for folks who have and there's, you know, they can learn so much from the people that we have, you know, that we bring in. Um, But also more than anything, it's like, how do we connect folks with the community where they are? Yeah. So we're not set up to do any sort of counseling. The conversations that happen are simply conversations that you would have, you know, running in a group of friends that might come up. Um, And so, and we're very clear about that because We can't um, be, you know, it would be a disservice to the people who are coming to the camp and it would be a disservice to the people who are helping with the camp if there was any um, lack of clarity about that.
1: Where can people go to find information to help and or sign up?
2: They can go to bandofrunners.org. It is a website that I created with my history degree. Nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got all the information they need to know. Uh, and if anybody out there listening would like to volunteer their web, web building dis, uh, services, that would hmm. be great. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Bandofrunners.org.
2: That is correct.
0: Okay. And what are the biggest needs? Uh, financial donations? Is it volunteer help? What would help you out the most?
2: What would help me is people spreading the word about what we're doing so that the veterans who would benefit from coming to the camp um, Hear it, Uh, and so um, you know we have good outreach here in Texas and um, kind of in California, South Carolina, kind of where our mentors are coming from. Um, But we'd like to spread that word further, and so you know one easy way to do that we have T-shirts, and folks could wear those. And if people ask you about them, you could talk about it or just sharing the website. We have a little video on there that a fellow um, did at this year's camp that explains what we're about. So sharing that around would be really useful. Um, But yes. spreading the word. We like, unfortunately, we don't need folks helping at the camp right now. Um, It's funny, like, usually you're not like getting volunteers is is a hard thing. The hardest part for me over these last number of years has been saying no to people who want to come help at the camp. Cause we just don't have room. Like, you know, like our ratio right now is I think we have like one mentor for every four campers. Like if we had more, it would be like, Oh, are you going to the bathroom? You want me to come with you? Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, one
2: on I'll, I'll stand by the door here. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So I asked you what band of runners is. We asked you when you started it, but I wonder if the, If there's something else to add about the why did you start this?
2: Um, so I said, you know, so I'm an army brat, right? And so I, but I, and I was never in the military myself, but all so many members of my family have been. Uh, my brother-in-law is in the military now; um, has been deployed number of times. You know, my dad was in the army. All these aunts and uncles, and so wanted to be of service in some way, and then in general wanted to be of service. You know, running um, is, you know, everybody feels like it's this, it's a this selfish pursuit, and I'm. I'm going away and doing this thing for myself. And so I, to be able to make that useful to other people um, is so enticing. Um, and so kind of this combination of just wanting to be of service in general to this population and wanting to be, and wanting to be useful <laughs> with my running and not make it such a selfish thing um, and combining that. And then just knowing personally how the community and nature and movement had affected me and wanting to be able to share that. And so, you know, part of this camp has been like, I've met all these wonderful people. I want to introduce you all to them here. Here they are. (laughs) That's my, that's my handoff. (laughs) Like, you know, go do your magic. Um, And so, yeah. And so that, that's the why behind it. And it's, it, you can see the impact it has on, on people. And you just know that that's going to happen because it's had such an impact on you and your friends. And, and um, yeah, so that is why.
1: One of the things that I've found in uh, reading the few articles about you Liza, as you have, you've done some pretty, um, training is very interesting. Um, from a, <laughs> from a perspective of,
2: what, what are you saying there? <laughs> well,
1: there's, uh, well, number one, that you're, that you're good, like you're winning things, but also people <laughs> might assume you are living in like Boulder and, you know, running in the foothills all the time. But a lot of, apparently there's a, is it a two mile loop yeah. near your house in San Antonio? And then at one point you did a, 40 mile treadmill run one, and <laughs> and i think you i think after that you actually won the race you yeah. were training for okay so okay. you I won mean, a treadmill race no 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 that would be
2: amazing <laughs> not gonna do that
1: but i think it's this painting a of picture of how you fit all all these things in um
2: Well, yeah. So the treadmill, we got that after, um, after we had the baby because I couldn't go anywhere. Um, and so it was just something I could do. I could go out into the garage and run on this treadmill. And then I wanted to run these ultras with my friends. And so that meant I was going to have to stay on there for a while. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like, and I do feel at this point, just so no one's any un, under any false impressions that I've used up all my treadmill miles. <laughs> like, I feel like everybody has a certain number and I, I hit mine. <laughs>
0: like, like,
2: like every now and again, I'll get on a hotel treadmill. If I like, I'm absolutely desperate and it has to happen, but it's rare. I'll usually just do loops around the hotel parking lot, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I mean, training for Leadville, he, when you're a flatlander, there are some advantages because a lot you do have to do a lot of uh, treadmill training in order to get the vertical gain that you need during the week. And so, if you're willing to hike uphill at 15% grade on a treadmill for an hour at a time, then it's going to be so much easier for you when you're actually outside at that race and it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like if you've actually put in that time on your miserable treadmill, just hiking for hours and hours, then when you're outside and seeing stuff and going by, like nothing is as bad as that treadmill time. <laughs> and so, you know, so yeah, so the people who are willing to do that um, tend to do okay. Cause they're so excited to be outside and seeing stuff. So, yeah.
1: At no point you were just saying, "Ah, oh, this is too much. I got kids, I got a job, I, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just take a couple years off running and you know, I don't have time.
2: Nah, no, just because it was my lifeline. Like I was so much better just as a human <laughs> friend <Nope. and> spouse, <laughs> uh, if I went ahead and did that. I think people would be like, you know, showing me the door, they'd say, Why don't you go run?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Seems
2: like a good idea.
1: <laughs> so. See, you're getting a little testy.
2: Yeah. And I was like, maybe, maybe some treadmill time,
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> but it was grim. Like, so this treadmill was in our garage. There's like, it's a super tiny garage. So it faced this wall and I didn't have, like, I'd lash my computer to the the top of it with a cam strap <laughs> and, uh, and just be in there. It was like 9 billion degrees. So I had this fan on me and, uh, and yeah, so again, it was great training because it was pretty miserable.
1: Do you think, uh, Do you think heat, I mean, I've read a little bit about heat being helpful. I
2: I have some opinions about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My personal experience has been, and with the folks that I've coached, is that the only thing it does is make you used to feeling crappy and continuing on. Um, And that's useful. That's for sure useful. Um, But I run into all the time, like uh, a lot of the folks I train are folks who are, you know, flatlanders who want to run these mountain races. And they're like, well, I heard, you know, whatever. And you're like, listen, listen, (laughs) like it's a different thing. Um, And uh yeah, and so that's what, like it does. It, it is hard to run when it's really hot and humid out, right? Um, and it is hard to run in altitude. And so I think that um, being able to continue to do that and have the wherewithal and the you know mental fortitude and all of that, like that, is super useful. Um, but as far as like being able to overcome getting being slower because of you know the decreased oxygen pressure. <sighs> Yeah. I know what, I know, like I read, I read the articles and people send them to me and, and all those people live in Boulder, I think, who are writing those articles. Oh. <laughs> like every time, every time a new one comes out, I'm like, oh, and where do you live? Hmm. Uh-huh. In the mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell me about how good it is to train in the heat. Go ahead. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> where it
1: helps. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we can go on a run down here together and you can tell me to my face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I come to live down here for three months and then do a race. Exactly. Yeah. Then, huh. then tell me but yeah, it's something to do with like blood plasma. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Nope. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't help you climb steep trails. It just, apparently, yeah. Yep. Well, that's good. That's good to know. What, uh, what are some of the other, I mean, have you had to do like three runs or four runs in a day? Like what are some of the other things that you've done to fit everything in and still stay really competitive?
2: Yeah, sometimes um, I have done that for sure. Um, I think that um, as I've gotten older, I um, have (laughs) less tolerance for that. I'm more like, well, this is the time I have, you know, in the morning when it's reasonable and I'm just going to make it happen here somehow. Um, uh, Yeah. And so I think, you know, what's changed for me um, is... As the kids have gotten older, I've gotten myself a little bit more together. And so I just uh, take care of myself a little bit better. And so I am able to fit the training in when I need to. Like I'll go to bed, get eight hours of sleep or somewhere close to that, you know, um, which makes everything actually doable. So
0: interesting tactic. Huh. <laughs>
2: sleep. To <laughs> get sleep.
0: Yeah. One of the things I'm curious about is the work you're doing with Knowles. The work you're doing in kind of wilderness medicine in general is this just some um parallel track that they don't really like the the trail running you're doing and the competing you're doing well yeah you happen to do that and you just so happen to have this other investment in these leadership courses and in wilderness medicine, I haven't heard you talk at all about how those either overlap or just don't. Right. I mean, we don't ask if we're talking to a dentist, right. (laughs) Right. We're not like, how does your trail running like, you know, kind of overlap with your dentistry. But, um, in your case, I guess I'm curious.
2: Yeah. They overlap a ton. I mean, I think, so I was a paramedic when I was, uh, out of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I went ahead and got my paramedic certification and so did that for a little while. Um, and then I had a mid course correction life and, uh, started working in for outward bound and Knowles, but didn't have any winter skills. And so in order to kind of round out my season, I started teaching wilderness medicine with Knowles. Um, and I love teaching when I graduated college, I had a history degree and it was the last thing I wanted to do was teach. I was like, Ugh. No, not that. And that's what I've ended up doing. <laughs> and I love it. And so so part of it is just a love for the teaching. But but as far as wilderness medicine and Brendan knows this and trail running, like they, they complement each other wonderfully. Like it, everybody, every trail runner should take a wilderness first aid class two day class. It will serve you so well. Um, and, uh, and so yeah, they, they complement each other really well. And honestly, it feels like now finally, like doing this band of runners project that all the weird things that I've done, done, like they've all come together.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, that's interesting. We, you know, on like the snow side of things, that's where I feel like we tend to talk the most about like if you are getting out into the backcountry on, you know, AT equipment or a split board, you've got to know all this stuff about snow science and you should have, um, you know, wolfer training and the like, but those conversations, I don't feel like take place at the same level when we get into like mountain biking or trail running. And it's like, well, turns out you're still in sometimes the exact same areas and, um, so I, I I like hearing you say like every runner should get into some wilderness medicine training. Um, that just seems obvious, and yet I don't feel like we talk about it as much as we do. in like I said, in the snow side of things,
2: agreed. And it's a you know the wilderness first aid is a two day course. All the REIs offer them, or and so and they're like about two hundred dollars or so, um, depending on where they're offered, uh, and. Yeah, you just will not regret that information and just being able to make a good decision about how hurt somebody is and whether you should, you know, tell them or help them get more help or say that, no, no, you know, like it's probably okay to continue on, whether you're just running with somebody, you know, and they've twisted their ankle or fallen down and hit their head um, or you're volunteering at a race. um, You know, there's just all sorts of stuff. Brendan has illustrated all of
1: this. This is true. <laughs> we could talk about where where you're at now with running. Um, do you feel like there's ability to get better at different things? Because um, you're yeah, only just like
2: now that like I'm 28. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, like I I think about do I ever is it okay if I don't get faster? But can mm-hmm. I do other things and make yeah. it more sort of exciting to me in a in a way? And I think everybody at a certain point will hit that point, right? And especially at a high level that you run at, you know, like there will be a day someday where you're like, ah, I don't think I'm going to get in the top three in this race, but I'm not, I'm not saying that's coming right this year, but, but, uh, Liza's like, shut up, Brendan. Like, how are, how are you looking at it? I guess at this point in your, in your career, I
2: got two years. No, um, I'm actually doing a series this year for Iron Farr um, about what potential still exists as people age. And so I've been interviewing these folks who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, and a bit older, who are still performing really well and trying to figure out you know, um, how they see their potential and if there's any secret secret elixir that I could take <laughs> to to mimic that. Um, because I think like it seems like um, every now and again, there's this slew of articles that come out with people lamenting how they're getting slower and how, or that how they're making peace with the fact that they're no longer their younger selves as far as running goes. And um, and so there was a series where I don't know three or four came out and I was like, ah, God, this isn't useful. Um, and uh, and then the coach I'm working with um, after I had this bad run. Um, was like, well, you know, you are perimenopausal. And I was like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) um, anyway, and so um, God bless him. Anyway. uh, So yeah. So, uh, so then this idea of like, well, listen, if you're not, if you weren't an elite college runner, what, you know, you never came close to your potential. And so even though you may be slowing, it seems like there's, this, you know, this gap between what your potential is and where you are right now. And sure, like, as you, you know, as you get older, that's going to get smaller and smaller. But this idea that potential is there is um, alluring and useful. Um, And so, you know, it seems like... um, like where that inflection point is, where you're, I'm going to start getting slower at a marathon or people will start getting slower at a marathon. It seems like, yeah, yeah. It seems like maybe in your fifties there, that's going to happen for sure. Um, certainly like the short of the race, like the, you know, the, um, the shorter of the time frame. I've only run one 5k race though. So I feel like I still have a lot of potential to improve. Um, but anyway, and so uh, it seems like a lot of folks, um, continue to improve in the ultra distance because of the experience they gain running ultras. Um, and then also their perspective changes about, um, you know, why they're running and how they want to incorporate into their life that, that is actually useful. Um, so for instance, I interviewed Bob Hearn who has a lot of times distance, um, records, uh, you know, 24, 48 hour type deals. Um, and he, you know, practices mindfulness meditation now in a way that he didn't when he was younger. And so, you know, and clearly in timed events where you're running around in circles, like how useful that can be. And so there is this, you know, potential to prove and get smarter about nutrition, like all the things that you can mess up on in ultras. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so as far as I go, I am, you know, um, I am not super thoughtful or precise about thinking about my own personal running. Um, For me, it's this very useful tool that makes me happy. And so I haven't run any numbers. And so I really feel hopeful like that and and expect to continue to improve for a little while. And so, yeah, I'm running these marathons thinking that I'm going to go ahead and and PR um, again. Uh, if I put in the work, um, and there and there are you know all these ladies in their fifties who who have run you know faster than I've run um, at this point, so it seems like well I don't see why I couldn't do that if you know I stay healthy and, and uh, horrible things don't happen, right? Um, so yeah, and so you know, am I going to do races like when I don't, when I can't get any faster? Will I do different races? I don't, you know. Probably just because because of my situation, I've had to limit the racing that I've done um, because of my young family. And so I'd love to do all sorts of different things. And so that'll probably happen just because of, you know, life circumstances will change. But but I won't do it just to um, podium. Like, I don't think that the lack of um, getting accolades or being faster than people. I feel very grounded in that, like, at the end of my life, no one's going to be like, aren't you glad you ran that particular time? You know, like, when I'm on my deathbed, I won't be reminding people, like, you know. (laughs)
0: Leadville, 2010 and
2: 2015. Yeah, that was me. So I feel, like, super comfortable. Like, yeah, that's so unimportant. But it is, like, this striving and this working hard and finding out what limits are and and persevering. Like, that's all still very very useful um, and right now it's combined with yeah i also think i can get faster at it which is really fun so yeah.
1: how long ago was your marathon pr that you're trying to beat now
2: it's so once again poor historian i think it was uh, four years ago maybe a little bit longer so it was a uh, and uh, i don't even know it
1: was it 254 maybe oh I don't uh, I don't care about the time I was just wondering
2: well yeah no but yeah so I think like that was the time frame and so like I've run like right around three hours recently um and so
1: yeah okay yeah do you feel like you like have you not done enough marathons yet to see what you're to sort of get your potential you're like kind of seeing ways to improve every time you go out and do one
2: I think it's more. I just haven't done the fast training. I tr- I uh, run by okay. myself a lot, and you know it's just hard to kind of speed up when you're on your own. Even when you want to speed up, it's just it's just easier when you're like trying to keep up with people. So.
1: Yeah. Have you considered having like twenty some pacers <laughs> while you train? <laughs> <up>? Yeah. <laughs> duh.
2: Like in a V formation. <laughs> yeah. yeah fine V. <laughs> yeah, um, so no <laughs> I, don't know, I
1: don't know if that works for everybody I was just like, I'd seen it, seen it done somewhere
0: on the internet and thought maybe it yeah. might be a, uh, maybe a thing But Yeah, yo. well so we've talked quite a bit about and I, I love this, and by the way, Brandon our friend Sanjay would be all about this The uh, you know, there's still untapped learning and training and uh, mental conditioning you know, that uh, that we all have every moment we are still lucky enough to be breathing, right? And that you, 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 Liza, seem to be very much on that uh, sort of on that page and on that program. And, and, uh, and, I, and I think you have reason to be, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a joyful optimism in what you're saying, I think. And uh, I think we would all be best to be exploring and trying to figure out the ways where we can get better But I guess given that you've laid all this out, I want to hear about some goals. I want to hear about 2020 or 2021.
2: All right. So I'm going to go ahead and I'd like to run Badwater in 2021. So I'm going to run the Keys 100 to try and. Um, do real well because if you can win that one then you get automatic entry and doing bad water is just a nod to the fact that I live in a hot place with a bunch of roads and so I might as well do that race um, and, so, and I would love to coach people to do that race and so I would like I've crewed out there a bunch and so I'd like to do it myself um, because there are so many logistics involved anyway so there's that so the keys 100 um, and then I'm gonna crew a bunch of people this summer um, and then maybe maybe I'll qualify for worlds at the end of this month and so that would be in September. Um, and if not, I think I'll try and run a real fast hundred mile race, um, and PR for that since I've done all this, all this road work. Um, and then ultimately I'd like to do Spartathlon in Greece. Um, when I turn 50, it seems like that would be a good time to do it.
0: Is the interest in that race like 80% because it's Greece or like, what's the, what is the draw in particular for that?
2: Oh, just the the nature of the course, you know. I think that's so exciting, and it's hard. Like the cutoffs are really stout for that. And then again, it seems like you know the the country teams. Um, there's a real feeling of camaraderie, and so that's exciting. Um, yeah. So, and yes, then it will be lovely to be in Greece afterwards, just like with the Keys 100. <laughs> Whatever happens, you're in
0: Florida. Your <laughs> yeah. Well, Liza, this has been a lot of fun, and just for the record. I would take any class of yours that you were teaching on anything. Like you clearly just have this energy and enthusiasm and uh and, and it and also speak really well about so many things. Like, yeah, so if there's a place where I can just sign up for some of your courses, uh, you know, whether it's on history and you just make up all the dates, I don't even care. But I'm 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 in. Um but this is really fun from the interesting work you're doing with Band of Runners to your interesting outlook about uh, how we continue to refine things and get better to now just being really curious and seeing how you know these next couple of years go for you and the goals you've laid out and raising a family and these really interesting uh, takes on different ways to look at Ultras, um, we, we've covered a lot of ground in the last hour. I think um, so. Thank you for being such an interesting guest and, and bringing such an interesting perspective to all of this.
2: It was really fun talking to y'all, um, and Brendan in particular. Not you, not <laughs> to say
0: anything no, to please, please. you,
2: but but Brendan illustrated all these articles we wrote for Iron Farr um, for Megan, and so it's just really nice to um, put a voice uh, to to your words. You're
1: right. Yeah, maybe we'll actually run into each other in person someday.
2: That would be excellent. Y'all yeah. have a place in San Antonio if you ever want to be uncomfortable during the summertime. <laughs> oh,
1: Perfect. It's like a, that's a January only place for me,
0: I think, or February. Yeah, no, it
2: is going to be. I think sixty eight degrees here today, so it's huh. a good place right now.
0: I'm I'm hoping at some point to get a couple couple miles on that treadmill in the garage with the fan if uh that's that's like that i'll put that on my list of like running things i'd like to do careful uh, not to
2: use up all your miles
0: <laughs> that's right oh um well listen thanks so much for taking the time and uh we'll let you get back to like the 37 things you probably need to attend to now
2: the bathroom is very dirty um th- <laughs> th- <laughs> thank you all <laughs> and thanks for helping spread the word about Band Runners. i really appreciate yeah. that
0: so cool Awesome. Well, hey, to both of you, thanks so much. And I hope to talk to you both again very soon. Thanks, Liza. Bye. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Liza and Brendan for the great conversation. And you can go to bandofrunners.org to learn more about this organization that Liza directs. And please spread the word about Band of Runners to those who might be interested or might benefit from it. And again, in the show notes to this episode, we'll include a link to a video about Band of Runners and their mission. I also want to say thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then we'd encourage you to subscribe to Off the Couch, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a nice little rating in iTunes. Now until next time, keep moving forward and we will talk to you again next week.